We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. What do you think about the Laker team now? You follow the box scores of the games every day? Just the Lakers. You're kidding. That is really a compliment. I was pleased to see you smile at the top of our show because once the game starts, you have a game face. You don't smile much out there. I don't think you have to do things for money anymore. Correct. What's up, Laker fans? Welcome to the Laker Film Room Podcast. I'm Pete, joined by Darius and Mike. And last night, Lakers fell to 1-2 and two with an overtime loss to the Sacramento Kings. The game started just as the first two had Lakers down by double digits after the first quarter. The starters were, were rough. I think it was 17-9 to nine when the starters came out. And then ended up giving up 41 points in that first quarter. In the second quarter, very good quarter for the Lakers, uh, one in which they sized up. There were some groups with Austin and Torian Prince in the backcourt, two big lineups with AD and Wood and either LeBron or Rui in that other spot. Lakers cut it down to a four-point game in the second quarter with like a buck 30 left, and then Sacramento goes on a 7-0 run to push it to 11 at halftime. Lakers trim it back down in, in the third quarter. Get all the way back. A little flurry by Rui Hachimura early in the fourth quarter. There was a lineup change there. We'll talk about that a little bit later. And then LeBron forces it to overtime with a, a late game layup. But Lakers fall in OT. Despite De'Aaron Fox, both a foul trouble and injury issues, Sabonis fouls out. But Lakers cannot get an overtime win. So afterward, Mike Darvin was talking about needing to tighten some things up. And when that was interrogated a little bit more, talking about the rotation in particular, I think we're going to talk about that a lot on this pod. But give us your view of the game against Sacramento last night, Mike. Yeah, I think that there are it's a conflicting emotion around the team than it was in the preseason when there's all the optimism and the confidence and the talent. And then you get to the regular season and Denver went at least somewhat as expected. And then I think Phoenix was actually, they played similarly in, in a lot of ways to how they played in Sacramento, but Phoenix was so shorthanded, um, especially after when, just the few minutes that Durant had to sit um, that they were able to spam a couple of the things that they knew that worked with LeBron and AD and just kind of pull a victory away. But they didn't play particularly well in the game. And then so going into Sacramento, you guys remember when the Lakers were really just really struggled in the second quarter? Um, and well, that I guess it's turned to the first quarter mm -hmm. this year. Was it last year? It seemed like the whole first half of the season. And, and then even as things went on, they really struggled in those in those periods. So um, but 
just to condense all of it, they get to the overtime, right? Despite all of this. And that's the point where you look over there and you see, all right, DeMontis Sabonis has fallen out. De'Aaron Fox has a pretty badly sprained ankle. Uh, and it's, you know, JaVale McGee is in there at the center spot. And it just, they, they kind of weren't able to, to execute a couple of things defensively and on the glass, even though they were still getting some good shots um, on the offensive end. And afterwards, Pete, you alluded to it, but Darvin Ham kind of, clearly already having some discussions with his coaching staff and maybe some of the analytics folks and um, doing the same stuff that we're doing. And I think fans are doing watching, well, should this guy be playing at this time? Sure. Why is this guy in with this lineup? And, and all of that stuff that kind of needs to be ironed out. Um, you know, meanwhile, LeBron playing what? 30, Nine, he I think? With 39 minutes, 39 yeah. minutes. You know, and and just going right back to kind of relying on him in AD to try to bail out what is a more talented roster than what last year is and where it just shouldn't be needed. And there are many reasons why, uh, Darius. What's the first one that stands out to you? Well, the starter stinking is one of the things that stands out to me. They've played 41 minutes together through three games. They're the Lakers' most used lineup so far. And yeah, they're a minus 20. So they're bleeding points. Pete, you talked about the Lakers being down by double digits in the first quarter in every single game. That's not because the starters are up by 10 and then the next group comes in and then they lose by 20 over right. the next six minutes. Right. Well, the first first couple of games, it was because it was tied and then that group did that. But that's not what happened yesterday. That was. Yeah. Yeah. But I'm just saying this is like in every single game. The it's Lakers not like they played well. Yeah. Yeah. They have not. They've been substandard offensively and defensively and it's like darvin talked about needing to have a defensive mentality first and that we want to be a defense first group but that first group is not showing that they have the defensive fortitude to compete at the level that's needed it's funny because during the preseason vando sitting because of his heel issue sort of created all of this opportunity for other players to show what they could do next to the Lakers' best players. And Torian Prince really took a leap forward Mm -hmm. as like, look how seamless the fit is with Prince and this group. And he even like leapfrogged Rui in this very interesting way in like, oh, well, Rui looks more suited to be a backup potentially and like a six-man scorer, but then that was bumping up against Wood. And there was a lot of stuff that was in the ether, but it was Prince who sort of stepped forward and being like, look, I can play with this group. But I'm wondering, Pete, if some of what other lineup context sort of might have obscured what some of the potential Mm -hmm. issues might Mm -hmm. be with Prince in the starting group. Namely, Austin missed a bunch of time during the preseason, and none of these groups really got extended into the second half. And so what we ended up seeing was Prince playing with other sorts of players who would potentially complement him better than having D'Lo, Austin, and Prince together as your three primary perimeter defensive players flanked by LeBron, who through three games has not been at the defensive level that he was even last season, right? Just in terms of his attentiveness and his, and basically just his like get after it defensively. And then AD as like the final 
level, which he had to do everything against Sacramento, mm-hmm. and early on he was. Yeah. Imagine if he wasn't playing to the level that he was defensively. Mm-hmm. The Lakers would be like, oh my goodness, are they giving up 50-point quarters? He was single-handedly thwarting defensive possessions. Mm-hmm. And so I'm not putting this all on Prince. I'm trying to figure out the elixir of what's going on with this starting group. So I think it's most uh, clearly illustrated in the end of last night's game, in part of the strategy of how they went to attack us, is that we're just really small around the basket outside of AD in that group, particularly with LeBron as as he is like not really a presence around the rim from a, I can go soar above the rim and clean up a defensive rebound, nor do we want him to be right at, at this point. And that's why I think part of the conversation will steer toward sizing up which is something that, that we'll talk more and more about. But at the end of that Sacramento game, Sacramento's strategy was we were switching and their strategy was to get AD out onto the perimeter and either De'Aaron Fox or Malik Monk would shoot a pull-up three. Now, they were difficult shots. Anthony Davis was on top of them and contesting them. But both players, especially Monk, but also Fox at, at this point too, is a fantastic player. Uh, there's a chance they're going to make that shot, even if it's a difficult contested one over AD. But if they miss, their challenge is to battle D'Angelo Russell, Austin Reeves, Torian Prince for a board, along with LeBron James, right? And that's, you got pretty good chance of doing that. And you asked about this last night, Mike, to Anthony Davis at, at the end in the post game about giving up those second chance points. And we only gave up, I think, six or seven offensive rebounds, but we gave up 20 second chance points out of that. And it's been something that's been a kind of recurring thing. And so... When AD is the only person on the court that provides like a level of size and presence around the rim, you're going to give up a lot of points. And against Sacramento, they're not a big team, but they look to push the ball in transition over and over and over again. And when AD is like crashing offensive glass from the top of the key, which kills me, you know, like it's there's not a lot of size everywhere else. And teams really attack that. Yeah, so when the Lakers were making the acquisitions in the offseason and Torian Prince was one of the names, you know, kind of. Watching him in Minnesota, especially last year, and then but also just reviewing his numbers, the the thing that jumps out immediately on the negative side is the lack of rebounding mm-hmm. um, from that because he is six six right there. He does have some ability, but I think the way that he's evolved into playing over the years is almost like more pure three and D um, in like where he's focused on shooting the threes, sometimes attacking a closeout, um, and he certainly gives effort defensively, but. It doesn't always it doesn't often finish with like a box out and going to help on the glass. And that is part of then you put Gabe Vincent into that mix. Very similar, like really attentive defensively, going to give a lot of ball pressure, um, likes to create a shot, loves to shoot if he's open um, from three. But the whole rebounding element of that also not is in there. Mm-hmm. So if you look at Vincent and Prince so far this season, they're both averaging exactly twenty nine point seven minutes. And for Vincent, 1.3 boards and for Prince, 2.0 boards. And like, and this is while acknowledging both of them are good players. And I think they can add a lot. But mm-hmm. when they're the guys that were in there together, like in that overtime, mm-hmm. you're you're just you're losing that element of size and rebounding. And I guess the, the theory is that you're doing it in part in favor of spacing. But the Lakers now, unlike last year, have some big players that can space. Mm-hmm. Christian Wood, 
being one who hit two threes in the first half and Rui Hachimura who hit two threes in the fourth quarter, um, I believe, or at least were they yep. both in the fourth yeah, quarter? Yeah, they okay. were in a little run with the LeBron lineup. We made a little change right there. We'll talk about it later. Yeah, so Rui in the fourth quarter, actually three for four overall, two for three from three. And and so it's this, this is part where you, I think you understand too where how difficult things can be for Darvin Ham when any player that he brings in, we can anybody on the outside can immediately second guess. Well, yeah, but this guy can do this differently. Why isn't he in, especially mm-hmm. playing the results? So it's more just, tr- and I think this is the, the mentality of the players afterwards, Russell and AD speaking like calmly and, and feeling like the answers are in this locker room. We, we haven't necessarily found them yet for a couple of different reasons, but I just think if you, the Vincent and Prince combo there, when AD is getting switched out to the perimeter, as you mentioned, Pete, um, that's that's an area that the other team can clearly take advantage of, especially mm-hmm. um, if those guys go cold from the offensive end. Yeah, like looking at the rebound totals, Prince has six rebounds all season. Yeah. Gabe has five. Yeah. Right? They've both played 89 minutes. I get that you're not always looking at your like your backup point guard and like how many rebounds is he getting. Um, but Prince is your starting small forward. Mm-hmm. It's not like this isn't a position where you want a guy to rebound. Like he doesn't have to be getting seven, eight, nine a game. He's playing next to LeBron James and Anthony Davis, who are the team leaders in rebounds. And Mm -hmm. so he's not, they're not always going to get a bunch of opportunities, but the long rebounds, Pete, the sandwich rebounds, the ones where AD is not on a spot on the floor where he's going to be able to just come and be the destroyer of worlds, like and you can and you like can ask him to be the only guy that's doing that, right? Like, oh, we, nobody else can rebound, but we have Anthony Davis. You you can't put that degree of of ask on him. Well, there was a defensive possession by the Kings towards the end because they understood the ask, like Anthony, like they understood they were small. And they were really trying to get in there and battle AD. And there was like this defensive rebound that Kevin Herter got where he just sort of swooped in and grabbed this one-handed rebound while two or three other Kings were really trying to box AD out to keep him off of the offensive glass. And I wrote this in my recap for Lakers.com that it was Pat Riley coined the phrase like no rebounds, no rings, right? And while this wasn't a championship series or or whatever. He said that statement to highlight the idea that you got to finish these defensive possessions mm-hmm. with with the ball. You get a stop. You need you need to get the ball. Like reward yourself by getting the ball. Mm-hmm. And the Lakers both the Lakers and the Kings shot 5 for 9 from the field in the overtime. But Sacramento got Two offensive rebounds on their four misses. And on both of those, they hit three pointers. Mm -hmm. Like they got six points and the Lakers lost by five. And so you can't tell me this actually didn't cost them the game. It Mm -hmm. just did. And so like we zeroed in on one particular thing here, but let's go to break and zoom back out because I think there's more to discuss. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. 
Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. So let's talk some lineup stuff, guys. Uh, And I want to talk about kind of what I think is the what I kind of think are the ingredients on the table for Darwin and kind of where we're at. So I think the plan, knowing what we know know now, I think the plan was for Vando to start this season. Not positive, but I, I think that's the case. And so with Vando, one of the things that happened in last night's game was kind of illuminating on how Prince, Darwin saw Prince replacing him. In that Vando is a guy where his job is to guard whoever the best perimeter guy is for the other team. And that job has basically been transferred to Torian Prince since the start of the season. Now, the problem is that's part of what makes Vando special, is that he can guard a very wide variety of perimeter guys. So it can be Kevin Durant one night, and then it can be a Jamal Murray or De'Aaron Fox, as Prince was last uh, on last night. Prince is not that kind of defender. There are a couple of kind of guys that he can defend. He's a better off-ball defender than he is an on-ball defender. Also, Vando is an excellent rebounder, right in the vein of what we were talking about there before. And so it speaks it says to me that that Darwin prioritizes a degree of point of attack defense that where he's like I'm going to throw this guy on your main guy and then everybody else Austin and Delo in particular are going to have kind of the same type of role in the context of sizing up this is a this is an interesting conversation to me guys in that like I think at this point, I think Wood should be the starter. Um, and I know this is very reactive early in the season, but one of the things about these first couple of games, Mike, is I don't think we could have had a more informative first three games in terms of like what works and what does not. And in a big picture sense, that's very much kind of what this part of the season is for. Obviously, you want to get wins in the context of that. But I ha- there's like five or six things where I am a lot more like I believe this about this team. At, on Monday, as opposed to Friday, and so uh, I, yeah. So just take that wherever wherever you want to go, Mike. But like the the idea of like where do guys fit in and who replaces who? I think I'm super curious to see where Darvin goes with lineup stuff because yeah. he seems to prioritize a degree of like I'm going to have a main guy that guards your main guy, and that's not really how every perimeter defender works. The, the first thing to mention, Pete, I think when Darvin's bringing up the rotation, it's just that maybe it tightens some. And so that's mm-hmm. the starters is one thing. And we're going to have that discussion. In fact, I'll move on to that immediately. But I think that you just you cut out the kind of, you know, Cam Reddish playing five minutes and Jackson Hayes playing seven minutes. Like mm-hmm. if, if that that kind of thing is is difficult for the player and for the rest of the players, like you have to kind of make a choice. And then if it doesn't work after a few games, then maybe you plug something else in. But mm-hmm. I also totally get it because this is they're really trying to figure out what what uh, what works. So that's the first thing I would expect um, as you go into the Orlando game tonight. The second thing 
So in the offseason, Pete, you just alluded to this, that you expected that Vanderbilt was going to be the starter. And there was a report at some point about Rui Hachimura potentially starting. And, and I think we may have even mentioned this. Oh, yeah. I didn't buy that. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I just don't. I think that it's it's nice to have these conversations in the offseason. But ultimately, the reason why Vanderbilt was going to be tagged as the starter is because he can help out both the backcourt and the frontcourt um, in the things that he can do defensively. Um, he can help out uh, whether Austin or D'Lo has a particularly tough perimeter matchup. De'Aaron Fox would qualify um, as this. And he can help out LeBron and AD just from all of the energy and activity and rebounding and filling in the gaps. The major thing that he doesn't do or certainly didn't do in the playoffs was hit shots. And, you know, some teams were going to manipulate that. I think it's a lot harder to do that in the regular season. And he would have therefore mm-hmm. just made the most sense. Now, Torian Prince, we hadn't really thought of much in this context, but he he does provide with his shooting. Like, think about it. He had five threes against Sacramento. He had four against Denver. There's part of that that's really enticing um, when you think about just the trying to find ways to get space for LeBron and AD. But I, I continue to think that that is not as important um, as some of the other things. And the way that Christian Wood is played makes you kind of it makes you want to go back and watch game tape again from last year and like why didn't this work as well in Dallas or why didn't this work as well in his previous spot because he's defending he's rebounding uh the shots that he's hitting now it's there are there are just a lot of different elements that he can do that nobody else on the roster can and not that many guys in the league can especially on a vet min so I'm I peed I'm now open <laughs> to this concept that you just introduced mm-hmm. um and I still like the idea of Vando Uh, at least starting and getting a certain amount of minutes, even if it's, you know, 15 to 20. But I'm very curious now about if the success that we've seen so far, and Darius has been sending us a lot of numbers, how much of that in the the rating is is about those really bad Phoenix lineups that had no Kevin Durant and no other stars at all, um, and how much of it is real, and what he does helping AD and LeBron, not just in the glass, but just in overall size and hands Mm -hmm. up and those kind of things. So... Uh, Darius, I'd love for you to elucidate some more of that uh, and see if you're as as Christian Wood starting curious as I am at this point. <laughs> no, so I think that this is a interesting conversation and I don't necessarily know if it only applies to Wood, but Wood is the first player that comes to mind. First, Mike, I wanted to comment on your point about like trimming rather than wholesale changes. Darwin doesn't feel like a wholesale changes sort of coach. He feels like a guy who's going to try to go from maybe playing 10 or 11 guys each night to playing like nine or 10, right? And so cutting out one and a half players within the rotation piece. And sometimes it can be just kind of flipping a rotation. I alluded to the change with Rui, right? And so last night in the third quarter, Wood was the first sub where Rui had been coming in. And so there was that Wood-AD combo that played for a bit. And Rui came in later with the LeBron group. And like LeBron was setting Rui up. It it looked like Rui for the first time really in in a minute where it was like, ah, that's that's it right there. That's the the, one of the small switches. So it can be the same minute but just kind of distributed differently on top of what you're saying. Well, one of the things that I look at too is like two and three man lineup data, which is a lot of the stuff I was sending you guys last night, like mostly looking at these bigger groups. And so Vando, using Vando as a pivot point here is super interesting because I thought Mike's point about like Vando as a support player and how he, he helps both the guards and the bigs based off of his defensive profile and in the starting lineup you're not going to find a group of starters who help him more 
I think, than Austin and D'Lo potentially like spacing the floor for her, like for him and this version of of AD and even LeBron paying off some of the Vando cuts and everything that Vando didn't always like reward LeBron for because he like dropped some passes out mm-hmm. of bounds or didn't finish the or didn't fin- finish as well around the basket. And Pete, your point about Vando being like, hey, I can deploy this tool in all of these different ways and having this Swiss army knife defensively and Vando and now Darwin potentially turning to another guy on the Mm -hmm. roster and being like, be my Swiss army knife. And then like... Torian Prince comes out and he's just like, but I'm just a corkscrew. Yeah. <laughs> I'm not all like, like yeah, like, man. We I'm tried not to, all of these things. We tried to put him on Deer and Fox, and like he's just too tall for that. At the end of the second quarter, uh, they just isolated Prince on Fox. And usually what happens in those end of quarter situations, they're gonna try to get the, the switch onto the weakest matchup or anything. Oh, they were like, no, no, this this matchup's fine. We're totally good with this. And it was a little sidestep three, and Prince couldn't keep up. And so my point is, is like if you don't have that bridge player who can do all of these different things and this chameleon, then you have to start to lean more into like what your strengths are. And this is where I pivot away from Austin and away from D'Lo and even away from Anthony Davis. And I start to look at LeBron James. And in the thread, our text thread, one of the things that I've been texting you guys is like, we got to support LeBron better. We got to support LeBron better. We got to support LeBron better. What does that mean? What does LeBron need? Yeah. What does LeBron need? And 2016 LeBron, give him whatever as long as these guys can shoot. Give him four Kyle Corvers out there and he'll (laughs) make it work as best as he can, right? And he will dominate on both sides, sides of the ball. But for the last year and a half, basically, the last 18 months or so of LeBron James, I have come to the conclusion that what he needs, if if you're talking about size, defensive motor, shooting, like shooting has gone from like first on that list to like second or third, basically. And now what I want around LeBron James most is I want defensive size and I want motor. And then after that, I want just general defensive identity and then shooting has to be in there somewhere, but it's no longer the thing that I'm prioritizing most. And it's one of the reasons why, Pete, that I liked him playing with Rui. In the first half, they flanked LeBron with this lineup. It was like D'Lo and Prince and Gabe and Wood. Mm -hmm. And I was just like... As small as you can get, yep. I was just like... No, yeah, no, this isn't it for this version of LeBron. And then the second half, it was like Rui and Hayes, and then it was D'Lo and Gabe. And Gabe is going to provide that defensive point of attack stuff, Mike, but it was like the Hayes and Rui piece where I'm just like, yes, these aren't the best shooters, but they are the guys who have size and athleticism and motor, and they're going to go out there and run with him and play hard for LeBron and support him in the ways that he needs it now athletically. I want to get what you guys have been seeing with Austin soon, but I want to hammer yeah. this point first on LeBron. And so, Jarius, everything that you just said, agree 100% with. This has been the driving force between, I think, almost all of my LeBron thoughts for the last couple of years and just just kind of really watching him in person every day. And why? Like, why is it that this is that these are the ways that I think that we're thinking about LeBron? Well, he's in year 21. And yeah. what he still has, he still has the supercomputer brain. And 
he still has all of the physical physical elements, but they can't come out for all 39 minutes that he's on the floor. Mm-hmm. They just can't. So, but what can what can come out at all times? His brain, his organization, mm-hmm. his way of uh, essentially telling guys to be in what spots defensively, his way of organizing the offense and deciding when to run screen roll versus when to give somebody else the ball, when to go in the corner. All, all of these things he can do every second that he's on the floor. But when you put totally the small groups out there, even if they can shoot, well, if they're just shooting and spacing – that a lot of times, because the ball is going to find LeBron, requires him to do to do something in the action, and and so even like even if you're getting some of the benefits of spacing, you're asking him to do more physically on offense, and then guess what? On defense, he doesn't have as much energy, especially early in the games and early in the quarters. And so when someone gets past their guy and LeBron's on the back line playing, and if if because he, he's next to AD and Prince is the three, he's essentially a big defensively then he's the one that's got to come over and help on the weak side. And, mm-hmm. and that's just moving laterally. It's just not going to happen that often, uh, early, especially again, especially early in games. So these things to me are, are not going to just mitigate or get better as the season goes on. It's you have to do exactly what you guys just discussed yep. um, with that and put the guys that we know uh, the Vanderbilts and the Hachimuras, if he's locked in on that end, by the way, which he hasn't been the whole time. Um, and the way that Christian Wood is playing like those more of those guys need to be out there with him. It's more to me about the collective size of, of the group, right? In that if you think about even 2020 LeBron James, who was the best player on a championship team, who was our third front court player most of the time? It was either JaVale McGee, Dwight Howard. But when it was winning time, it was Kyle Kuzma, right? Who's 6'9". Or even Morris. Even, or even Morris, Morris. Markeith Morris. But these are all guys with good... Think about the size and physicality of those players versus Torian Prince or Patrick Beverly. Like what we've been doing the last couple of years at the three spot and going super small, that didn't even work in the 2020 season. So let's take our final break. When we come back, I want to continue with the lineup stuff because I think there's a lot to chew on here. So guys, our entire guard core is struggling. That's one of the interesting things uh, that's going on right now. It's the entire guard core is in a slump, but nobody more so than Austin Reeves right now. He went, what, one for 12, I think, in last night's game. Beyond just the jump shooting, he's reading the game as poorly as I've ever seen it, which is normally one of his great strengths in terms of his game is being able to see something just a step ahead of everybody else. He got a shot blocked by freaking Kevin Herter's elbow, basically, in yesterday's game where he actually made a good read where his gravity was not going toward the basket. He flared a screen out to the perimeter, but... Herter, he hadn't created enough separation to get the shot off. He didn't see it at all. He still goes up with the shot, gets knocked away. He had this hit-ahead pass to AD in transition that was, like, to nobody. Like, it wasn't even close. There have been more times this season, D, where I've been like, where are you going? What are you doing? Then any other time with Austin, who's a guy where, again, he's like, that's a strength of his game. And so he seems very kind of lost in, in the sauce right now. Um, and I'm curious what you're seeing from Austin. Darius, just to, just to interject real quickly, the way that Pete was talking about him right there, sometimes I'll, I'll feel like this if I'm watching one of the one of my twins uh, play yes. soccer or baseball. And <laughs> Like when you know everything about that player uh, and or in this case, the kid and, and you know what makes them successful. And then when they're not doing it and yet you, you don't want to speak up too like because how many times do we have to have this conversation throughout the playoff run? Like zero. Yes. Right. The, it, no, it's, so it's it just, hasn't happened yeah. before. Yeah. 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 
I was just going to say, it's just like, I'm just going to call it like it is like, well, we do this with every player, right? And and so I don't feel feel bad about it that's like, like necessarily, but like, look, Austin's been bad. He's been bad. I love Austin mm-hmm. Reeves and he's been bad. And it's not just the shot not falling to me. It's like, I mostly judge players on the micro decisions that they make. And it's one of the reasons why I don't like certain players who are probably good basketball players, but I just don't like their micro decision making within the context of of a play. This is something I've never really had to think about with Austin, but this season it's showing up more and more. We track deflections on deflections that like a defender makes, but I'd love for someone to track the number of deflections that are coming off of Austin Reeves' passes. He's getting so many passes deflected. He had one play where it got deflected twice on the same play. Dude deflected it, trying (laughs) trying to get the ball over to Rui. This is partly because we're over-penetrating in a five. I I don't want to go on this rant, but yes, absolutely, D. He's getting a ton of passes deflected. And so, Mike, like one of the things... I'm wondering about with with Austin is just like the general he didn't get time off during the summer and Austin's a gym rat and he's a hard worker and he's going to continue to like push through. One of the things that we saw during last year's playoffs was Austin talk talked about this some like after the Memphis series and into the Golden State series, the asks on him started to get heavier and heavier and heavier. And he was talking about by the middle of the Golden State series, he was dead. Physically, he was dead. Like he was being asked to guard Steph and he was chasing and doing all of this stuff and he didn't have it. And he pushed through. And by the time you got to the Denver series, it was just like, oh, look at him. He's back and he looks great. That flowed right into a summer of Team USA basketball and then right into training camp where they tried to like lower his workload and and lessen his his exposure but now he's back in the regular season and it seems like a combination of did he get enough sort of time to refresh himself and then b is he actually as in tune with what the asks are of him within no. this 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 offense and i honestly think the answer to both of those questions is no, no. and so th- what we're seeing from him now is the result of that mike so I watch uh, the 49er games with my dad on Sundays, and I really like how the game is presented on TV uh, by the NFL guys. And one thing that uh, the the color guy in the game, and the Niners just lost three games in a row after winning 15 games in a row, right? And Brock Purdy, who's had a very similar um, ascension and struggle, he's in, a, in a, a rough patch right now, now too. And one of the analysts was talking about being out of phase. He wasn't talking about this in Purdy with Purdy in particular, but he was talking about the Bengals in this respect, but about how like when things are not in sync, like they can look particularly bad. And that's what I see with Austin right now, Mike, is just a a great degree of like, he doesn't know where his reads are. He's being asked to be an on-ball player a lot more. And he's running pick and rolls into single gaps and being surrounded by the triangle that you get surrounded by when you drive into a single gap. And then again, with a very forward mentality and then like trying to pass out of that and it's higher on other teams scouting reports now too, where it's like, oh, we can deflect this guy's passes. So like just track the ball in his hands and you can get some deflections on him there. And so there's a lot of things going on right now, Mike, with with Austin, but that out of phase, he seems very out of phase right now. Yeah, the 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 hard part here in evaluating what's going on with Austin is that 
he had crossed a threshold that like once you cross, usually it's sort of there's some element at least of, all right, well, you don't have to worry about this guy as much anymore. And you, that's the playoff crucible. It's not only being able to do what you do in the regular season in the first round of the playoffs, but then being able to do it in the second round and then still being able to do it in the third round in the Western Conference Finals when these teams have been watching you and scouting mm-hmm. you. So mm-hmm. so that's when, you know, I think there's some narrative out there of, well, well other teams around the league know what Austin's going to do now. And, and they were all watching those series. And and then they watched him play for Team USA. And sort of this, there's like a certain level that he ascended to. And therefore, he's going to get a certain amount of attention. But he just lived up to that scrutiny. So that's sure. where I'm having trouble kind of understanding why it's, it's not working to the same level. Um, but... So then you start to think about other things. You think about, well, all right, well, what what is the difference here with the when with the five out spacing and the four out and how much they're running that? And is he getting the same screen roll looks with similar personnel spaced? And, you know, within that context, how is he not getting almost any of those drives that he was getting when he's going into the middle of the paint, kind of creating some level of contact and he's just not getting that whistle? And then if that's not working, and the first shot doesn't fall, all of a sudden the confidence isn't quite there. And we didn't really see that other than, like, he looked tired at the end of the first round and the start of the second round last year before he bounced out of it. Darius just alluded to it. But I don't remember the the shooting going away in that context for as long. So that's been the hard part for me to track, uh, guys, is just the once once you've shown you can do it at a certain intensity level and – even though it's this very small sample size, and I do think it'll break out of it, the reasons why that's happening uh, are have been a little harder to identify. All right, much to discuss. Lakers got another one tonight against a very tall Orlando Magic team that's 2-0 to start the season. I'm hoping to see... Uh, See Wood in the starting lineup. We shall see. We'll see if LeBron plays, right? Um, But we will be back tomorrow to discuss. But until then, you've been listening to the Laker Film Room Podcast. We'll catch you guys next time. Baines has got it in low to McHale. McHale wants to turn his double team. Just pass out of front, broken up by Worthy. Tips to Magic. Worthy dies on his belly. Magic scores. There's Magic, got it. Magic fires. It's good. They will. A lot of Laker fans okay, sticking so around for this. You're seeing something that's very rare indeed. A Laker to get MVP chance right, in, Boston. in Boston. Of all places. Are you kidding me? Kobe. Hard to believe. Are you kidding me? Unreal. Are you kidding me? Lakers looking to push. Bryant spinning in the lane. Back for Gasol. Pretty pass. And it's back to a three-point game. Kobe Bryant picked up by Bell. There's the move. Two. Listen. Bryant, unbelievable. Unbelievable. It's over. Shot clock out of five. Bryant, yes. And that was a little tough to Alvin Gentry. And insult to injury, Kobe. I mean, what a shot. I mean, you can't defend that. Are you kidding me? 2.1 seconds remaining. Denver a foul to give. Jokic trying to disrupt Rondo. He puts it in. Here's Davis. 4-3 in the win. Oh, it's good! Anthony Davis has won it for the Lakers! James again. Oh, he hits another one. LeBron James putting together a closing quarter against the Nuggets. This historic 2020 NBA championship belongs to the Los Angeles Lakers. The Lakers conquer the bubble.
And banner number 17 will soon hang in the rafters.